0: So as Leon said, my name's Simon um, and I'm one of the leaders here at the church. And it's this week um, we're in our last um, of our teaching series, our last of our summer teaching series called Tales of the Unexpected. And what that means is, is that summer is officially over. But on the plus side, the kids go back to school. (laughs) I thought that would get a better response. The most important thing is that Dan gets the focal point of his office back. <laughs> I don't know you, uh, about you, but it's been great to hear from different people over this summer, hasn't it? I've been really blessed by it, and I'm sure you have too. <laughs> this morning, my title is called Shipwrecked. And before we look at the story in the Bible, I want to explain why I've chosen it and what we can learn from it. I don't know what life is like for the majority of you here. It may be plain sailing—pardon the pun—maybe plain sailing at the moment. It may be great, no complications whatsoever, or it could be the other extreme: it's total chaos. You're barely holding it together, and you just feel like giving up. Well, over the next 20 or 25 minutes, it's my prayer that what you hear will help you with where you're at. Hands up if you've ever been shipwrecked here this morning. We've got another hand. We had one at the nine o'clock as well. I totally wasn't expecting that. (laughs) You see, we're going to hear and we're going to look at a literal one in the Bible in a few minutes. And it reads like something that could be out of a blockbuster movie. See, there's hurricane winds, violent waves, a ferocious storm that lasts days where not even the sun or the stars could be seen. There's imminent danger, fear of loss of life, loss of cargo, and loss of hope. (laughs) In life, when things happen to us, we can feel exactly the same. Everything's fine one minute. Then, boom, it happens. We're being battered from all sides. It feels ferocious. We get fearful we often lose sight of things often reality and then we can lose hope and it doesn't have to be catastrophic either it can be a build up of the small things that just seem to go wrong all the time one thing after another and before you know it it's happened <laughs> you're shipwrecked you're done in you've had enough you want to call it a day you want to give up. When I was a teenager, I used to think that 40 was really old. (laughs) Like, really, really old. I'm just being honest. I thought that life was really over by then. That all hope and fun was, well, gone. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, I turned 40 last Monday. I'm still accepting cards, gifts, and cash if you want to see me later. I had one card after the nine, so no pressure there. <laughs> I don't know how it's happened so fast, though. It's sort of crept up on me. And now that I am 40, my view, it hasn't changed at all. <laughs> I'm joking. It's not quite a shipwrecked moment for me. But when you open your first present from your beloved wife on your birthday, and it's anti-aging moisturizing cream, <laughs> well, that was (laughs) i've had a a, a bit of fun there but for many this is a serious issue you see fear of the unknown fear of the future fear of old age even turns into a loss of hope and that becomes a reality but me i know the best years of my life are ahead of me (laughs) and that's because as a christian one of the greatest things i have is hope hope for my years left here on earth and then for an eternity spent with Jesus. How amazing is that? And I want you to know this morning that whatever it is you're facing, if you're a Christian, you have hope. And if you're not yet a Christian, you can have hope. If you have a Bible with you this morning, you'll find a story I'm going to talk about in the book of Acts. That's in the New Testament, just after the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then it's the book of Acts of Acts. And it's called Acts because it documents the early days of the Christian church and the acts of those that started it. The clue is right there. But it's something I didn't get as a new Christian for ages. I might be slow on the uptake, but I also like things explained to me. So I hope that's helped some of you. We're in Acts chapter 27. And I haven't got time to read it all now, but I do want to encourage you to do so, for you to read it In your own time as I retell it this morning. This story, it may be a familiar one for you, but for me, it really fits the title, Tales of the Unexpected. You see, because what happens through this story is unexpected to everyone else in it, apart from one guy, one guy who has hope. And for me, that's what this story is really about. I'm not sure whether this is a British thing, but when things go wrong or go slightly wrong, we often expect the worse, don't we? We expect things to get worse before they get better. I know it's not an Irish thing because I've just come back from visiting there and it's one of the most laid-back, happy-go-lucky places I've ever been to. The stereotype is really true. <laughs> and what I've also noticed as a Christian and myself included here, is that when things go wrong, we often concentrate on the disaster rather than our master. And I wanted to wrap that. That's just for the youth guys there. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> I've just showed my age there. I'm like, We often tell God how big our problems are, pull it back, instead of telling our problems how big God is. But this one guy, this one guy in the story had his fair share of disaster and hardship too. He'd been blinded, thrown into prison several times, been beaten close to death, had numerous death threats against him and also actual plots to take his life. The guy I'm talking about is Paul. He was once a Pharisee, a religious leader, who himself at one time persecuted Christians. You see, he hated them. He wanted them dead. But since his amazing conversion to Christ, he's now prepared to risk his own death in order to get this message out. See, that's transformation. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, that's what happens. You see, although he had great hardship, Paul knew he had a greater God. And Leon, next week in a series he's going to do, will look a lot more in detail uh, about this. It's going to be great. And I want to encourage you to come along and to invite people along too. You see, it could just be transformational for them. (laughs) C.S. Lewis puts it like this. Hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. And this is the case for Paul who goes on to write a considerable amount of the New Testament giving us instruction, inspiration and encouragement to keep following Christ whatever the odds. You see, often the greatest stories are from people who overcome the greatest adversities. For many here, your story is still being written. You may be in the middle of it. It's not over yet. But like Paul, I want to encourage you to keep holding on, to keep moving on. And then as Pat shared last week, to keep looking up. So, to the story. And it's here that we find Paul. He's a prisoner and he's on his way to Rome to face Caesar. And it's a journey that had to be done by sea. And as you know, ships Uh, We're not like they are now. And often journeys by sea resulted in shipwreck and loss of life. It was quite common in those times. In the story, we read that sailing was particularly slow, hard and dangerous because of the time of year that they were sailing at. And it's here that Paul, in his wisdom, gives an opinion, a warning to his jailer and those around him. Verse 10 says this, Acts chapter 27, verse 10. Men, I see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Verse 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. I want to stop here for a minute because I want to look at the lessons we can learn from this. You see, I believe the best, the Bible is the best book for doing that. And I know this may not be the case for everyone here, as sometimes some things are out of our control, and they do just happen to us. But also, sometimes there's a warning. And it may be from a loved one, a friend, a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a pastor, and even from God, that if you keep doing what you're doing, there may be trouble ahead. There's a song there. It could be friendly advice, loving advice, godly advice, parental advice. When it's Leon's advice, it's time to worry, guys. We've possibly all been there, though, haven't we? And I see lots of heads nodding as I'm speaking. And that's from people who have had advice and not taken it, but also from people who have given the advice. <laughs> They're not only nodding, but they're smiling too. I'll be speaking to you guys in a minute. Often though, I want to point out, there is a warning. And for some, you've already had it. You know the signs. You've already had some advice too. And God has spoken and he continues to speak. And what I want to say is to simply listen and then to take notice and to act. You see, because if you keep doing the same thing, and expect different results, it's not going to happen. The only change that you can make has to be done by you. Back to the story. And as they continue on their journey, a storm starts to stir. Winds and waves are battering the ship. Everyone's on high alert. Lifeboats are being prepared. The anchor is lowered to try and bring some stability. They're throwing cargo overboard in desperation. The storm has lasted days. During that time, they've neither seen sun or stars, the story tells us. It's been relentless. Nobody has eaten. They haven't had the time and it hasn't been safe to do so. The storm continues to rage. And it's in verse 28 that we read, Finally, they gave up all hope of being saved. It amazes me what some people in this church have been through and how they've come through it. And that's because of the hope they have in an amazing God we believe in. It's not been easy, but they've held on to hope. And more importantly, they've held on to God. It also amazes me outside of the church and what people go through. My heart breaks for them because of the lack of hope they have. And as Christians, it's something we have to change. See, we all know that God can make a difference. He may not take the storm away, but he's with us in it. And he helps us to get through it. That's the hope we have. And it's here that I really want to push the Alpha course. We have an amazing opportunity, myself included, to invite people, to invite someone Those that have, have seen the difference it makes. Some of their friends, some of their family are here today as a result and they're following Jesus. I want to encourage you to step out and ask someone. You know, the worst they can say is no. But if it's a yes, then that could change everything. And if you're new here this morning, if you're exploring the Christian faith, and you may have lots of questions I'd love to see you there. Like Leon said, I run it with a great team. And there's a free meal, free dessert, free tea, free coffee, free juice, free pen, free book, free anything you like, just come along. Have I sold it enough there? (laughs) There's a sign-up sheet at the back in the welcome area. Or come and have a chat to me at the end of the service. I'd love to speak to you. It starts a week on Monday. That's the 9th of September, 7.30 in the Community Zone. We're back in a story. And it tells us that they've given up all hope of being saved. And it's here that Paul decides to stand before them and tell them, I told you so. Verse 21 reads, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Basically, what he's saying is, if you, w- you wouldn't be in this mess if you'd have listened to me. <laughs> How many of you have heard that statement? How many of you have said that statement? How many of you have thought that statement? I'm talking to the nodding, smiling brigade from <laughs> earlier now. You see, the world is great at saying, I told you so. Possibly after not taking the advice given and messing up, the first thing they come back at you with is, I told you so. And I want to speak to the Christians here this morning for a minute. Uh, The enemy is great at this too. You see, after you've sinned, after you've messed up, the loudest voice you hear is, I told you so. (laughs) You see, that's his main game plan. It's to get you to believe that you haven't changed, that you'll never change, that you have no hope. You'll never be free. But it's the same Paul that reminds us of what Jesus said. It's in Galatians, it says for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And God himself says, I know the plans I have for you and therefore a hope and a future our hope is so important to us as Christians and we're called to share that hope. You see, hope means hoping when everything else seems hopeless. And I don't know about you, but when the chips are down, I want to be with someone that has a different outlook. Who has a hope that things can change. And this applies if you're not yet a Christian to this morning. Don't be an I told you so person. You see, that just looks backwards. It's no help, and it offers no hope to the person involved. You see, instead of adding to their problem, offer a solution to it. Speak hope into it, because that has the power to change things. Paul does this. He offers a solution, and he speaks hope into the situation. He doesn't leave it at, I told you so. He goes on to say, but and I was going to use the phrase, be big butt people, but I wouldn't wish that on anyone. <laughs> Paul does this. <laughs> and in verse 22, it goes, it says this. But now I urge you to keep your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the gods to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said... Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that that will happen, just as he has told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. See, in this moment, Paul has changed the atmosphere. His hope is in a God who has spoken. And he's passing it on. See, where no one listened to him in the beginning, he now has their undivided attention. The storm hasn't stopped. There's no change in the circumstance. But something has changed inside of them. And this is how it is with God often. You know, he calms the storm on the inside before he deals with the one on the outside. You see, he wants us to trust him to know that he is faithful, to know that he works all things together for good for those that love him. He offers his love, his peace, his comfort, his assurance, all the things we need to know in order so that we can grow. It's often then when that's happened, he looks at the storm on the outside. And it's often then too that the storm doesn't seem that big anymore. But how many of us, if we're honest, can say that we do that? It can be sometimes that we're not looking for that. And I think that we act like the sailors on the ship who try and escape. You see, they try and do things in their own strength when they've already been told of the outcome and what to put their trust in. See, what they're looking for is a quick and easy way out. They try and release the lifeboats to make their getaway. But Paul sees this and he informs the centurion, the same centurion that didn't listen to him earlier. And he says that unless everyone stays together, they wouldn't be saved. It's a powerful statement as a church, isn't it? Unless everyone stays together, they wouldn't be saved. What happens next is remarkable. The centurion gets the soldiers to cut the ropes and that the lifeboats drift away. (laughs) <laughs> Paul's got their undivided attention and they're listening to him. And what I want to say here is that that same person you may have given advice to who may have not have listened after, or at the time but on their realisation of that and if they come back to you please don't tell them I told you so because it could be that this time they are willing to listen and that you are the person to help. Also, sometimes there isn't a quick and easy way out. And instead of focusing, on our, um, att- instead of focusing our attention on the, on the problem, let's focus it on God. See, that's how our faith grows. And it's how we know he is faithful. Back to the story. And it's now been 14 days, two whole weeks, and there's been no let up. It's been relentless. They've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. They haven't eaten anything, the story tells us. And I love this next part of the story because it shows the difference that Paul has made. The hope and the assurance he has in his Lord is evident and he's passing it on. See, verse 34 to 38 says this. Now I urge you to take some food. You need to survive not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. What amazes me about this, that is that in the middle, in the middle of a raging storm, Paul gets everyone on board, 276 in total to stop and to pause. He then encourages them further, he prays, and then he gets them to eat. It's totally different to how the story has started. I don't sense any panic here. And they don't rush their food down either. Indigestion is not something they want to add to the list. You say it says that they had when they had eaten, when they had eaten as much as they wanted, and guys, fourteen days without food, they'd have been starving. And then the number two hundred and seventy-six feeding you guys—it's <laughs> going to take some time. And this, it's this that amazes me. You see, they're in the middle of a literal storm where fear of shipwreck and loss of life is imminent, they stop, they pause, they pray, and they break bread together. And in a moment, we're going to do that. We're going to stop. We're going to pause. We're going to sing. We're going to pray. And then we're going to break bread together. See, I want you to know that every single person has a hope here this morning. And that's because of what Jesus has already done regardless of whether you know that fact or not your future is secure and it can be secure and if you're new if you're exploring and you're like how is that even possible then please come and chat to me at the end or chat to the person you've come with your storms don't determine your life but they can define it they can define it for good or for bad that's if you let them See, I've recently come back from Northern Ireland, visiting uh, my family there. And whilst I was there, I went to a church my father-in-law was um, speaking at, and he did a a great job. I have to say that because he's here this morning. (laughs) The church is in the middle of nowhere. It's a country lane in County Armagh. And almost 30 years ago, in November of 1983, gunmen broke into the church and killed three people. It would have been a lot more if it wasn't for the bravery of others. And as I was there that evening, the pastor's wife was showing me the church where it had happened. It was a small wooden building next to the new building they have now. She showed me uh, around and described what happened that evening. You see, I didn't know this at the time, but she was one of the few people that was there that evening and still attend the church. Back then, she would have been a lady uh, in her early 20s and 30s. Not quite 40 yet, so the rest of her life ahead of her. As she was telling me what happened, there was no hatred or anger in her tone whatsoever. It was just facts. Then she rolled up her sleeve, and she showed me a bullet wound that went right through her elbow. It looked nasty. She told me that it had gone straight through her elbow and lodged into her hip. All the consultants uh, said that she would never use our, uh, her arm again. Uh, and at one time, they mentioned that they'd have to amputate it. But then she went on to tell me that she believed in a God who answers prayer. And so she prayed. She had hope. And it took a long time. But she kept her arm. Her arm. And she regained the use of it. She was very proud of the fact in telling me that she can now lift it and praise God. The storm she went through didn't make her weaker. It made her stronger. (laughs) Her story certainly inspired me. And she spent the last 30 years of her life sowing love into that area and bringing reconciliation. I don't know what it is you're going through this morning but I want you to know that God does and that he's in control and that you can have peace wherever you're at (laughs) and storms don't make you weaker they can in fact make you stronger all 276 uh, of the people on board that uh, boat ship survived see hope is an amazing gift from God And it's my prayer this morning that everyone leaves here with a lot more hope. I'd like to welcome the band if the band can come back and the servers can come out to share communion. What we're going to do at this point is stop. We're going to pause. We're going to change our focus. We're going to take it off our situation and we're going to put it on God. See, in the middle of of a raging storm, a literal storm, where fear of loss of life was imminent. They stopped, they paused, they prayed, they broke bread. There was peace.